orange smog here in New York City. Have you heard about it? Uh, many cities on the East Coast primarily have this big blanket of orange smog right over the top of it. Our woke friends to the north in Canada, their forest fires got out of hand. And, uh, well, this is what we're dealing with. It's complicating some people's lives, uh, but it's manageable. I'll tell you, it actually smells like wood smoke. It's not an unpleasant odor, to be honest. It's kind of weird when it seeps into the building, uh, but outdoors, I can deal with it. Folks with respiratory issues, though, that's a, that's a real thing, a real complication. The White House is trying to exploit this, saying it's all because of global warming and the normal talking points that go with that. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a forest fire. This actually has happened a couple of times before in history, and um, for the time being... We can live with it, but it is pretty, it actually is pretty. <laughs> it's a beautiful, interesting aura the city has right now. All right, now this. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. It's the first promise he broke, and he said his whole soul is in it. What soul is there? Look. We're hearing that Donald Trump might be on the verge of indictment, seriously, the feds, over this ridiculous document situation. Um, this kind of persecution, they're getting away with it. It's going forward. It's incredible. Hunter Biden documents all kinds of family corruption on that laptop. He's still walking around, going on trips on Air Force One with his dad. Yet Donald Trump is... Uh on the verge of going to jail again. They're going to arrest him. Are they? The details still being worked out. We are seeing these reports that he has been notified that he will be indicted, possibly arrested. Look, those people in the White House under Barack Obama, when they lost, you know, I thought that they, well, you know, would take it like men and women. They try harder next time, work on their messaging, figure out how they lost the confidence of the American people. But no, they went to work. They were already at work, Operation Crossfire Hurricane, but they brainstormed on how they could sabotage the presidency of Donald Trump. And they're still at it. His post-presidency, they are so scared of him, they do not want him coming back. I don't really understand why they are so afraid of him. I don't get it. He's, it's strange, but it's personal. It's a little bit mental with these people. Uh, you ever had a problem with your boss at work? In corporate America, human resources, right? Let's say you just don't get along with your boss. Have you ever been in this situation? They don't like you for some reason. And then they start looking at every possible thing you did wrong, right? Did he come into work on time? Okay, did he leave work early? Did he take a stapler with him? Huh? How can we get him? How can we get him? How can we get him? Well, that's unfair, obviously, and wrong. But that's the way life goes in America these days. And now it's not the HR department. It is the Department of Justice that has unleashed this person. I mean, my gosh, this is Jack Smith, the prosecutor. He has an assignment, I believe, from the president of the United States to get Trump. And that's what he's going to do. This is why they one of the reasons why they really hate Trump, because we love him so much. Actually, they have there's never been a threat to their, I guess, corruption like this before. You know, if I had a law degree, I would I would be volunteering my services. I'd be doing something to help President Trump right now. And that's what these two people should be doing. Christie and Mike Pence. They're both lawyers and they both owe a lot, I believe, to Donald Trump. 
and they should both be using their talents to stop the insanity of this insane prosecution and persecution of Donald Trump. Instead, they're running for president. Fat chance, oh, by the way, not going to happen. And Mike Pence, wow, what a disloyal person. Everything he has, really. I mean, the reason why he can run for president is because Donald Trump made him vice president. And uh, he's playing the media's favorite game, the January 6th game. I believe that anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. And anyone who asks someone else to put them over the Constitution should never be president of the United States again. So he's talking about Donald Trump. And I don't believe he was asking Mike Pence to suspend the Constitution. You know, good people can have totally different opinions about what the Constitution says. That's why we have a Supreme Court. We have brilliant people on the court. And they disagree all the time about what the words mean in the Constitution. Five to four decisions. That's your opinion, Mike. Anyway, you've made your decision. You did it. Now you want the presidency? I don't think so. But anyway, more January 6th gamesmanship. As I've said many times, on that fateful day, President Trump's words were reckless. They endangered my family and everyone at the Capitol. But the American people deserve to know that on that day, President Trump also demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. Now voters will be faced with the same choice. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. You chose your interpretation of the Constitution, all right? Again, uh, peaceful and patriotic. Those were the big words from January 6th. They put you in danger. Give me a break with that stuff. And it's all gone to your head, these, these fake news uh, reports, right? You in that garage and you were somehow at risk. Look, a lot of January 6th is actually on Mike Pence. On January 4th of 2021, in the run-up to January 6th, he had a message to MAGA. I mean, we had concerns about the fairness of the election. Under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, we thought he had a lot of leeway. Could have possibly sent those votes back to the state capitol in Harrisburg. Hey, are these okay? Are they? Okay, you sure? Okay. Listen to what he said on January 4th. I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. We'll hear the evidence. I'll share your doubts and concerns. Well, not really. He already made up his mind. He could have said right there, hey, as the vice president, my interpretation of the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act of 1887, I can't do anything. He could have said that out loud. He already knew he wasn't going to do anything. I know that because I read his book. Here he is on the way to the Capitol on January 6th as he's describing the scene in a car with his daughter. As our motorcade arrived at the east front of the Capitol, I saw thousands of protesters standing peacefully on the east lawn, just past a rope line opposite the entrance of the Senate. My heart went out to them. I felt compassion for all the good people who had come to our nation's capital having been told that the outcome of the election could be changed. 
They were cheering as our suburban wheeled into the carriage entrance beneath the Senate steps. I turned to my daughter and said with a sigh, God bless those people. They're going to be so disappointed. Well, on the 4th, why didn't you say something? You could have saved everybody the trip. This was you. you we thought you had the, uh, you know, the leeway to do something. You think you didn't? Fine. You could have told us. You already knew. You didn't make up your mind on the way to the Capitol. Anyway, so he announces for president with the cheesiest, lamest, most generic announcement video uh, ever. The land of opportunity, beacon of democracy, the shining city on the hill, land of the free, home of the brave, the United States of America. Yeah, we know where we live. I don't get this. Most of it was filler like this. I mean, those are strong words, but we know that already. What are you going to do for us? We can turn this country around, but different times call for different leadership. Today, our party and our country need a leader that will appeal, as Lincoln said, to the better angels of our nature. His plan seems to be shaking hands, meeting people, and doing photo ops. That's his plan. One more. God is not done with America yet, and together we can bring this country back, and the best days for the greatest nation on earth are yet to come. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. But I doubt this man's sincerity somehow. I do. He could have, he could have cleared things up on that day in Atlanta, and he didn't. All right, that brings us to Chris Christie. Oh, boy really full of himself, had the most bizarre event in New Hampshire, just kind of walking around, moping around, spinning around, and um, saying, well, dissing Trump. Let's face it, that's what he's all about. That's his whole brand now. Smaller in the way we talk to each other. Smaller in the way we look at each other. Smaller in the things that we talk to each other about. Smaller in the issues that we cared enough to get angry about. Now, in his mind, this is a critique of how, you know, Donald Trump sometimes insults people on social media or whatever, and these issues are small. I've been hearing this a lot from liberals and Republicans, that those of us who are concerned, uh, say, about monsters hanging out with children, the drag queen situation, that somehow this is a a side issue, it's a culture war, and there's really nothing to be concerned of. Well, um... Chris Christie has children who have already graduated from school. For those of us with toddlers, this gives us nightmares. Uh, I don't know what small issues he's talking about, but this is real, real stuff. What's next? Donald Trump made us smaller by dividing us even further and pitting one group against another Different groups pitted against different groups every day. Um, If Donald Trump, if you think he's small, Chris Christie, you or anyone else, tell them to look at Donald Trump's speeches. My favorite is the one at Mount Rushmore, July 4th of 2020. That is not a small minded man. That is a great man with a great vision to make America great again. Watch that speech. If you've already seen it, I recommend it to uh, Democrats or your Democrat friends. That is one heck of a speech and one great agenda. But Chris Christie doesn't want to, you know, this is the man who actually became famous by demeaning people. 
you must be the thinnest skinned guy in America. Because you think that's a confrontational tone, then, I, you know, you should really see me when I'm pissed. You have numbnuts like Reed Gashura, who put out a statement, you know, comparing me to George Wallace and Lester Maddox. And let me tell you something. After you graduate from law school, you conduct yourself like that in the courtroom, your rear end's gonna get thrown in jail, idiot. She should really be embarrassed at what a jerk she is. So listen, you wanna have the conversation later? I'm happy to have it, buddy. But until that time, sit down and shut up. Wow, he's gonna tell us to treat each other nicer or something like that. This is, it's so phony. And he's not known for anything else. It's not like he was a builder. It's not like he was a great prosecutor. He's just, he's just a guy. What's next? John Kennedy stood at a speech and said, with absolutely nothing to base it on other than his belief in us, that we're going to the moon. And we're going to the moon before the end of the decade. We didn't have a rocket. We didn't even know what an astronaut was. I'm confident he didn't. So how could he possibly have been so audacious to do it? He was that audacious because he was an American leader. This infuriates me. This is what we used to call a pseudo-intellectual. He talked a lot about history, and he got a lot of stuff wrong, including what he just said about John F. Kennedy and the space program. So that big speech about going to the moon, yeah, he did make it in, on May 25th, 1961. Here we go. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. And John Kennedy just did that on a whim. Didn't even know what an astronaut was, had no idea, had no rocket, had no space program. Three weeks earlier, Alan Shepard became the first man, first American man in space. Alan Shepard, very famous. So uh, John Kennedy did not pull that out of thin air, all right? He was, they were talking to NASA every day about, can we do this? Is this a thing? We, yes, sir, it is. We have the Mercury program scheduled. Then we have the Apollo program. We're all getting there, okay? That's why that line was in the speech. All right, what else? What got me out of bed every day was that in public leadership in this country, you have a chance to do something great every day day. You give men like me a chance to do something great every day. That sounds uh, not right somehow. You give me a chance to be great. This is not working and it won't work. One more. And that any of us who get the opportunity to serve are merely temporary stewards of that greatness who just want an opportunity to make it a little bit greater. A little bit greater? It's great, and we just want to make it a little bit greater. That's your, that's your agenda. That's your goal. Um, have you looked around? Are you following current events? Civil society is in a total free fall, and you just want to make it a little bit greater? History hangs in the balance. We could lose the country, but then again, he works for management, very much so. This is an authorized hit, a mission to take out Trump. It will not work. What he should be doing, if he were 
if he had integrity, quite frankly, uh, would be railing against the horrific treatment of Donald Trump and the FBI raid on August 8th of 2022 and where it has gotten us. We are apparently on the eve, potentially, of Donald Trump being indicted for nothing. And yes, I told you last night, no one's talking about this, and it's so important. This was a setup. This was an absolute setup by the National Archives, the Biden administration, all a plot to get Trump. The negotiation is over the next two years after any president leaves office, they're supposed to go through all of the records mm -hmm. and they're supposed to separate out what is personal, what is presidential. Right. Personal, they get to keep. All presidential records end up at the National Archives headquarters in D.C. This ordinarily happens where NARA gets a facility in the town where the president has moved to. Uh, so in Chicago for Obama, down in Texas for the, uh, the Bushes. Mm -hmm. And all of them are held in that facility. Here, what NARA did instead is they chose not to get a facility like that. They had GSA move everything to his house. Mm -hmm. And then we're asking him to immediately send everything from his house back up to D.C. where he wouldn't be able to go through them yeah. as convenient. Incredible. And again, we looked it up. And this is important for Obama. They rented a big facility, an old furniture store in Chicago. Yes, there were classified documents there. So Obama could work with the team there and get access, excuse me, to whatever documents he wanted. They had a facility there in Chicago. Next, for George W. Bush, they got a facility in Louisville, Texas. And it was arranged that he would have access to it and they would work together on uh, January, starting January 20th of 2009, his last day in office. And Bill Clinton, all the way back to 2001, they did the same thing for him, got a facility uh, near where Bill Clinton lived, near where the library would be in Little Rock. But for Trump, they just said, uh, you're going to have to find some room for it somewhere in your house. And I can see how they would get away with this. I can see how they would get away with it. They didn't brief him. They didn't take care of him. They didn't. They didn't give him the courtesy and respect that he so deserves. And it's such a shame. This is really happening. I feel like it's the twilight zone. I'm not pessimistic, though. We're going to make it through this, and so is he. I'll be right back. America, home of the brave. We have the greatest people. We have the greatest stuff. We have the greatest country. We have so many cool things going for us. I do love being an American. Unfortunately, we are also land of the silly, I call it. There is so much nonsense going on right now. It threatens the home of the brave. Don't mess with the brave. Um, this pride stuff, all right? June is pride month, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, knock yourselves out, but uh, there are more serious issues to contend with regarding, well, gay people. Globally, uh, I know everybody wants to have fun. GMA out loud celebrating pride all month long. Take a look at our stage wow. managers. Everybody really enjoying. Here's the thing. Drag Race is such a phenomenon right now. Time now for GMA out loud. Deals and steals of pride edition. We're highlighting companies owned and operated by members of the LGBTQ plus community. Owned and operated by LGBTQ. Look, it's all silly, of course, right? Um, and there are far more serious things going on affecting gay people again globally. You know, in certain countries, if you're gay, you can be put to death. 
Yes, that's happening in Iran. I haven't heard a word of this, oh, by the way, uh, all month, all Pride Month. In Turkey, they're throwing people off of buildings if they find them out to be gay. Uh, where else? Syria. Good luck being gay in Syria. It is a death sentence. In Indonesia, I think you only get whipped, which is absolutely unthinkable. It's just it's horrendous. And there are countries throughout the world where you are in serious legal jeopardy if you are gay. In some countries, they will put you to death. And you know who tried to do something about this? President Trump began a historic campaign to decriminalize homosexuality around the globe at the United Nations, where he publicly challenged the 69 countries who make being gay a crime to change their laws. Gays and lesbians can be put to death in nine countries just for being who we are. Isn't that amazing? And it's true. Oh, by the way, I've seen fact checkers say there's no evidence. Yes, there is actually. And the fake news they used to before they really lost it, they used to write these kinds of stories. NBC News, Trump administration launches global effort to end criminalization of homosexuality. But uh, January 6th, right? January 6th, we can't. He did these things and they tried to trip him up every step of the way. So many important things that need to be addressed. How about people in America who are dying from drugs and alcohol? You know how bad this is right now? Top three causes of, uh, of new spiking causes of death, drug overdoses, which we talk a lot about. Suicides have gone up 30 percent. Wow. 30 percent. I mean, there's an existential stress going on here. And liver cirrhosis due to alcoholism. Wow. These are all they're called the deaths of despair. We have 300,000 people a year who are dying from deaths of despair. Life expectancy is going down. Opioid epidemic. What they call, the doctors call the diseases of despair. Heroin, opioids, suicide, alcoholism. Yeah, and uh, the pandemic didn't help. The one person in public life who was warning about that was President Trump. All the people home all day long, there's going to be alcoholism, there's going to be suicide, and the numbers prove it. Empathy. That's what they said he wouldn't show, right? Empathy. Well, he had all so much empathy. And the media... They could give a damn. That just gives them something to talk about. Then it's on to the next thing. Then it's on to the commercials that they run during their show. They don't tell you their commercials, but their commercials. Like when the wine merchants come on, that silly Hoda and Jenna Today Show stuff. If you're invited to a barbecue this weekend or you're hosting a backyard get-together, you can't go wrong with a few good bottles of wine. Take a glass of this. This is absolutely delicious. New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc from Villa Maria. Mm. It's got a beautiful flavor. Oh, this is his rosé. He has a rosé. Okay. $22 for the box, but again, four bottles of wine What in there. fun. The bottom is it's like 10 in the morning and they're drinking on television. This is dangerous. Uh, I speak from experience, folks. All right. I was on one of those shows and it was flowing all the time. And uh, I don't touch the stuff now, but it was a challenge to stop. And there they are drinking away like crazy, like it's fun. Uh, this is one of the reasons why, you know, our culture is just in total decline. And here's another. And I really pray for all of us right now. Instagram. It's the most popular app in the world, right? Instagram. Do you know that it has been promoting child pornography? Absolutely. The Wall Street Journal did an incredible story. Instagram connects a vast pedophile network. You know, on Amazon, if you buy a rake, 
it might recommend, oh, maybe you want this shovel. Well, on Instagram, if you like young child doing something, well, maybe you will like these young child children doing something. It is sick. I did not know it was happening. I do know this, though, that during the pandemic, Mark Zuckerberg wouldn't let us have free and open conversations about the possible negative effects for at least some people from the vaccine. Those chat rooms were shut down. In the meantime, a whole child sex trade is flourishing on Instagram. How about that? Big tech. And they are running the world. I tell you, here's something else we got we to gotta kick each and every day. This device is so it's A lot of good can come from it, but a lot of bad things as well. And we all have to master it. And I do fear that... Cyber bullying culture, you know, uh, when the mob comes for you, cancel culture on the phone. People are more afraid of that, I think, than than death. And they never want to step forward and possibly be criticized. And big tech and these phones they keep putting out and making them a bit more addictive, just a bit more addictive, a bit more addictive. The machines are taking over. I don't think we want to live this way for much longer, huh? There must be a better way. I'll be right back. Hey, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. If you suffer from allergies, sinus problems, have mold issues in your home, or you just want to breathe better air, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier can help. It's the best-selling air purifier on the market. It uses proven oxy technology that quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and more. No more masking odors from trash or cigarette smoke or cat litter boxes with sprays that are full of chemicals. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier sends out O3 molecules which destroy viruses, bacteria, and odors. And I know because I have two in my home, one in the kitchen for obvious reasons, and one in the bedroom. It has really helped us sleep better. Start enjoying your home again. Get several Eden Pure Thunderstorms right now and save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. Simply go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code GREG to save $200. That's Eden, E-D-E-N, Pure deals.com discount code greg and shipping is free this country was made by tax rebels freedom fighters gold seekers believers lovers and true patriots we're newsmax and we're their heirs and so are you newsmax tv real news for real people all right so this is chris licht he is now the ex-head of cnn he got let go Today, and I think I know the reason why, the town hall, the Trump town hall that they had a few weeks ago, I mean, Trump owned it, right? He was fantastic, and uh, the moderator was terrible. The media, they were so furious with CNN because Trump won, and you can never have that, right? What we saw tonight was a series of extremely irresponsible decisions that put a sexual abuse victim at risk, that put that person at risk in front of a national audience, and I could not have disagreed with it more. It was shameful. What was on display at that CNN town hall was not only an authoritarian growling for a comeback, but an audience that was eating it up. Donald Trump doubled down on his lies and insults at a town hall this week. 
After Donald Trump took the stage at CNN's town hall this week in New Hampshire, many commentators said he showed he hasn't changed, that he's the same guy who lied compulsively and inspired an insurrection as president. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. A lot of people are taking them up on that offer. Look, these people don't have a monopoly on the truth. They, they're just a bunch of TV talking heads and AOC. Well, we know about AOC. Um, but here's what's kind of troubling me. Trump did so well in that uh, town hall that this media executive loses his job. So what does that mean going forward? Any event where they host Donald Trump that's outside of, say, Newsmax, maybe Fox, um, they're going to try to trip him up. They'll sabotage the whole thing. They'll turn off the mic. Nobody, no media executive wants to be this guy. And the way you get job security is by coming down on Trump as hard as you possibly, as humanly possible. All right. Now, through it all, President Trump is still talking substance and policy. This is getting a lot of attention. And we understand why. In recent decades, there has been an unexplained and alarming growth in the prevalence of chronic illnesses and health problems, especially in children. We've seen a stunning rise in autism, autoimmune disorders, obesity, infertility, serious allergies, and respiratory challenges. It's time to ask, what is going on? Is it the food that they eat, the environment that we live in, the overprescription of certain medications? Is it the toxins and chemicals that are present in our Homes. Every year we spend hundreds of billions of dollars to treat these chronic problems rather than looking at what is causing them in the first place. What a great point. How refreshing as well. He's right. Next. Too often our public health establishment is too close to big pharma. They make a lot of money, big pharma. Big corporations and other special interests and does not want to ask the tough questions about what is happening to our children's health. If Big Pharma defrauds American patients and taxpayers or puts profits above people, they must be investigated and held accountable. Somebody talking about Big Pharma. Imagine that. Why don't they talk about Big Pharma? Well, they, they buy a lot of TV commercials. What else? When I'm back in the White House, I will establish a special presidential commission of independent minds who are not bought and paid for by Big Pharma, and I will charge them with investigating what is causing the decades-long increase in chronic illnesses. I understand Big Pharma, I believe, better than anybody else. I know where they're coming from. And then I will ask them to publish recommendations for how every American child can have a safe and healthy childhood. This is a conversation that is long overdue, and it's a conversation that American families deserve. American families must have this conversation, and they must have a leader, a president, who can do something about this problem. And I will do that. Thank you. Wow. I've heard Republicans, Democrats go on and on about prescription drug prices, but never the essence of the problems of health. It's good stuff. That is leadership. He's right. I'll be right back. Yes, have you resolved to stand off with the freedom? Um, we're talking through it. I think we'll get this through it. Are you going to have votes today? 
That's our intention. We're uh, working through. We can't hold up the work for the American people. I can't believe someone would want to hold up not allowing people to pick their own uh, oven or stove they'd like to have. Oh, nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Uh, maybe not for Kevin McCarthy. A uh, number of uh, GOP members very upset about that debt deal reached uh, last week. Not happy with it at all. And, um, well, what they're doing on the floor right now, uh, what they've been doing over the past day or so, could really trip up Kevin McCarthy in terms of his uh, speakership, his personal political career. Let's bring in once again Congressman Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado. Welcome back, sir. Can you take us through this uh, and where do things stand right now? And this is all over your frustration with what happened last week, right? Absolutely. Um, so a few things happened last week. One, Kevin McCarthy broke his word about the spending limits. He agreed um, in January when he needed the votes to become speaker that he would spend at the 2022 appropriation levels. Um, then when he passed the debt ceiling bill, it, the agreement with President Biden was to spend at the 2023 appropriation levels plus um, billions more. Um, we will accumulate over $4 trillion of debt in the next 18 months, $4 trillion of debt. That had a lot of Republicans very upset. In fact, more Democrats voted for this bill than Republicans both in the House and the Senate. So um, this week, uh, we took down the rule, which means that nothing can get onto the floor until we've got some conversations with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and those conversations really just involved uh, building back trust and how do we make sure that we are doing the people's work, that we are going to spend less money than we did in the past. Why not take it one step further? I mean, you have that whole motion to vacate or whatever it's called procedurally. I mean, you could essentially fire him or come pretty darn close. This is complicating his life, but it's not in jeopardy politically, right? Well, uh, it, it is complicating his life as speaker, yes. Um, his, uh, the, the, the purpose of what we're doing is to draw attention to the fact that he misrepresented himself, that he misrepresented this bill, that he uh, broke his word um, uh, from January as to the amount of money that we would spend. And we are getting a lot of, of, of uh, sympathetic responses from members of our own conference. People understand that once you give your word and you get elected speaker, you have to keep your word. And, and that didn't happen. Is it a matter of personal integrity? I mean, is this, you know, there's political negotiation and that kind of thing. But are you saying, like, this is an integrity matter with Kevin McCarthy? It is absolutely an integrity matter. Where I come from in Colorado, uh, you are only as good as your word. And if you give a man your handshake and you tell him you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And if you don't do it, there's consequences. And right now, Kevin McCarthy is feeling the consequences. All right, I want to play the media's reaction to this. We've got a little compilation here. D07, if you don't mind, control room. Revenge and retaliation. How House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's own party is getting back at him for the debt deal. Another revolt against House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from within his own party. A group of far-right House Republicans sent a message to Speaker Kevin McCarthy yesterday, blocking a procedural vote on GOP-led legislation. All right, well, they're always over the top, but uh, revenge and retaliation, is that a component here? I mean, is, is that, is that or, the, or did they, they overdid it again, did they? 
they overdid it, and it's kind of silly in some ways because all we're trying to do, no one is saying, hey, I want to be the next speaker, or I want to be a chairman of this committee, or I want to something for myself. All we're saying is the American people need to slow down the trajectory of this debt. We need to make sure that our children and grandchildren aren't bankrupt because they're paying for the excesses of this Congress. All right. Hey, by the way, we're hearing rumors, uh, some published reports that Donald Trump could be indicted tomorrow over this whole documents thing, which seems like such a scam. It is so heartbreaking that this is happening or it could happen. Uh, but they keep doing these outrageous things. Quite frankly, we in the conservative media don't seem to be influential enough to stop it. Uh, the American people are busy. You guys have the House majority, but, you know, not the Senate. And it, they're just going to keep doing this stuff. Uh, what have you heard, sir? And how do you feel about that? I think that there is a lot of sympathy for where President Trump is right now. I think that um, as you look at all these civil suits and criminal cases that are piling up, it, it, it just looks like an unfair process. Now, the, the, the facts are unknown at this point. We'll find the facts out about the uh, prosecution in New York City and, and this prosecution as we go. But uh, right now, it, it just looks like uh, folks are piling on. No, I mean, totally. Look, I'm familiar with these facts. There is no case. You don't hassle a former president of the United States over this nonsense. It is so unbelievably trivial, and I just can't believe it's happening. But uh, anyway, Congressman Ken Buck, so appreciate your service and uh, joining us again here on Newsmax. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Good to be with you. You bet. And we'll be right back. You're looking at the Moms for Liberty, great women who have had it with all this crazy stuff that's going on in the schools. You've seen it. Uh, let's see. The drag queens hanging around with kids, uh, critical race theory, BLM all over the place. I mean, it is insane. You're supposed to be focused on <laughs> reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Right? Haven't I heard about those things at some point? This all started because they were really upset that these kids who we're at a very low risk for COVID. Well, you remember, they started making them wear masks. Well, anyway, now this great group, Moms for Liberty, has actually been designated a hate group uh, by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, keep in mind, the Southern Poverty Law Center are a bunch of wacko liberal nutjobs, but they are accepted big time in the swamp. Tina Deskovich is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Welcome back, good to see you again. How about that Southern Poverty Law Center? You look what like what, you're not a hateful extremist, are you? Of course I'm not. <laughs> I know, I love I know. It is a ludicrous designation. Um, let's see. Let's put up uh, E02. Moms for Liberty is a far-right organization that engages in anti-student inclusion and is an anti-government organization. Wow. If you are against their woke agenda, this is how they label you. If you keep reading on and the other things that they have criticized us for and called us a hate group for, one of the things is because that we want to continue to use the word mothers. We are opposed to the term birthing person. And there's a, there's a litany of, there's a whole list of reasons that we are apparently a hate group. And one is more absurd than the next. Yeah, actually, we have a next, uh, the next slide, E03. 
They use their multiple social media platforms to target teachers and school officials, advocate for the abolition of the Department of Education. Hey, sign me up for that one, by the way. Uh, advance a conspiracy, propaganda, and spread hateful imagery and rhetoric against the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, <laughs> this is the most negative way to possibly represent. You can be gay. We just don't think kids should be talking about sex with teachers. Fair enough? Absolutely fair enough. You know, the things our chapters have advocated for is keeping gender ideology out of the classroom, uh, focusing on reading, writing, arithmetic. Two thirds of American fourth graders, we say this in every interview we do, two thirds of American fourth graders are not reading on grade level in America. We do not need to be teaching five year olds that they can be a boy or a girl, neither or both, and that they can change their gender and it's fluid from day to day. Leave those things out of the classroom. We do not hate the LGBTQ community. Uh, many of our members are part of that community. Some of our chapter leaders are part of that community. So, uh, you know, we just reject everything that the Southern Poverty Law Center has said about us. Now, and they are far left and they are kind of crazy, but they are, believe it or not, accepted and even admired by the swamp, by the deep state, by left leaning media. How does this designation, and it, by the way, it's not binding, it's not legally binding, but they are powerful. Are you, how, does it, how is it going to affect you? Are you concerned at all? I think uh, by them taking this step, it diminishes their power. I went and looked on their website last night. I was looking at who else they've identified as uh, extremists or terrorists or hate groups. Uh, the first person on there had Nazi flags and was doing a high Hitler sign. Uh, he looked very angry. The next guy had the pointy hat from the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, clearly people that are extremists and terrorists and bad people. And I just thought to myself, are they really going to put my headshot right next to that because I'm standing up for my children? Are they going to put the 100,000 moms with us? I, I haven't seen the part on the website, but I hear they've actually listed out all 300 of our chapters as individual uh, they've identified individually as groups that are also hate groups. So I think they're going to lose credibility here. Look, the Department of Justice tried to come after us, the FBI, the Biden administration, the National School Board Association, threat tags, investigating moms. It has all backfired on them because we are not we are not a threat. We are not terrorists. We're just standing up for our kids. Um, what you're fighting, <laughs> getting this woke uh, stuff out of the schools, the distractions, the uh, quite frankly, some of it is perverse. How is that going? We've been kind of covering this for a long time. Can you give us a, a progress report? I mean, let's face it, some communities have gone all in. We hear about some victories. What's your sense? I think we're having great progress. So Moms for Liberty itself and kind of the parents' right movement really hasn't blossomed until two years ago. And so you, when you think about what's happened, especially in public education, uh, the left has been in control for decades. It is not going to take just a year or two to fix this problem. The progress we have made in two years just within our organization, not to mention all the other organizations that are working alongside us, but just our organization, you know, is in 45 states now with almost 300 chapters, 100 and, almost 120,000 members now. It is growing. These are active members on the ground. The, the number of bills that got signed into law in, in at least seven or eight states that protect parental rights, protect children from gender ideology. Uh, the number just keeps growing and we are just going to keep uh, increasing our influence. Tina Deskovich, good luck. Everybody should check out momsforliberty.org. Momsforliberty.org. We appreciate it. Keep up the fight and we'll be right back. Thank you very much for watching this show. We appreciate it very much. We're doing something special here, don't you think? All right. Thank you for the support and we'll be back tomorrow.